I really believe we've been praying for many, many weeks now that God would break through into people's lives where there's been a dryness or a or an apathy or a, or just a long-term struggle to really walk in the fullness that God has for us and I really believe God's saying to us today what what do you want me to do for you like what is your need what is your heart's cry what is what is the problem and are you willing to let me deal with it as I think sometimes we can just be our own worst enemies. We can hang on to things for so long and they become so familiar and, and in a warped way we just get, that becomes our identity. And yet I really believe God is saying to us that he wants to break in. Will you let him today? Will you open your heart? Let's take a minute just to really hear from the Lord. Holy Spirit, just speak. Bring revelation. Show us, Lord, individually where you want us to do business with you, where you want us to surrender things that we're holding on to, where our attitude's wrong, where our self-belief is wrong. Lord, just speak this morning. Father, I thank you that you're a God of unfailing, unfathomable, unending love. And that, Lord, you want us to know that love in every area of our life, in every area where the enemies had a, had a field day, you want to come. And you want to minister to us. You want to draw us out of that darkness and lead us into light. You want to lead us out of a barren land into the promise of the fullness of God. Lord, my sense is that we've just got so conditioned sometimes to being where we are that we don't even know how to get out. We don't have the strength or we don't know what to do next. But Lord, 
That's when we've got to throw ourselves on your mercy and your grace, that you know even when we don't. You know the fears that we hide. You know the hurts that cripple us. You know the apathy that can consume us. Lord, you know it all, but, and you're just waiting for us to come and say, I've had enough. I've tried everything in my own strength. I've tried all the ways of the world. I've, I've tried, but I'm just so tired and exhausted. Lord, I want you to come. Come and deal with the things I don't have the strength to deal with. Come and deal with the things I don't have answers to. Come and tend to the wounds in my heart that I don't know how, how to ease the pain. Come and retrain our minds not to believe lies but to walk in truth because the truth will set us free. But Lord, sometimes the truth's not pretty. Alyssa's truth wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy for her to recognize where she was and what had happened in her life. But that's not the end of the story because your grace and your mercy, your power and your strength can change any of us if we'll invite you to come, if we'll give you permission, if we'll surrender, if we'll submit. Lord, the one that's begun a good work in us will bring it to completion. But he can only do that if we let him do the work. If we hold up the stop sign or no more work in progress, no, Lord, it's too hard, it's too tough, it is going to be tough. But there is victory. There's always hope. There's always an open door. There's always a way. Will you let the Lord lead you out? And pray today that that would be the cry of your heart. Lord Jesus, come by your Spirit. Do what I am powerless to do. Give me faith to even believe in the things I can't believe for myself. Change my attitude when I know it's wrong and I don't even know how to make it the right attitude. Change it. Make me willing when I'm not willing. Even when I don't feel anything, when I don't see miracles and signs and wonders, let me trust in an all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful, never-changing God. And let me look at you and who you are and what you can do and what you've done in the past and what you've done in Alyssa and what you've done in Moana and what you want to do in me. And just say, Lord, here I am, come. Come and consume all that needs to go and walk me out into freedom and liberty. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And you want us to walk in that intimacy with you. And so today, Lord, remind us afresh and teach us afresh and give us the courage, give us the honesty to let you do a deep purging work in our inner being that only you can do. No pastor with all his knowledge and wisdom, no counselor with all their wisdom and tricks can do a thing. It's the work of, the, of God himself. He's the only one. And so, Lord, we're going to come today with our needs and our hurts and our pains and give you opportunity 
to show us the way forward. To show us the way. Because you're the way. You're the truth. And you're the life abundant. And any other thing we try and substitute is just going to leave us dry and dissatisfied. And Lord, I, I guess that's what we're beginning to recognize, that for many of us we've tried so many other things except throwing ourselves at your feet in desperation and saying, God, I give up. It can only be you. I surrender. Lord, would you move in our hearts today? Don't let us stay the same. Transform us by your power. Transform us by your presence. Take us on, Lord. We don't want to be the same. Moved by your Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I had so many phone calls from people in this church this week recognising that they're not walking in the fullness of God. And my heart sings because people at least want to deal with stuff. And people have hang, held on to it for such a long time that it, that's what makes it all the harder. That we've become so familiar with our own dysfunction or our own wrong thinking or you know, um, got comfortable being in a certain place in their life and God's just saying, knocking on the door, I want to I work. I want to minister. I want to change. I want to transform. But I won't do it till you give me permission. I won't do it until you cry out in desperation and say, I want to make a change. And I'm just so thankful that someone like Alyssa, in all her pain and anguish and frustration and cried out and said, someone come and help me, please. You know, at the end of the day, we can come alongside, but all we can really do is take you to Jesus, take you to the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's got to do the work. We're just a co-worker. We really don't have any answers. I don't have a magic wand. I wish I did. They don't sell them at Kurong. <laughs> so I'd go and buy one if I could. But it doesn't work that way. And I love what Alyssa said because really God's not going to change our humanity. He's not going to take that away. It's not necessarily going to make the path ahead any easier. We're still going to be tempted. We're still going to have the wrong thoughts come into our head. There's still going to be a struggle. God doesn't take that away from us. But he promises us that in our obedience, in our submission to him, in our surrender, that he will be there in power. And he will walk us out of the dark valley and into his abundance. And that's his desire. He wants that for all of us. He wants us to live in fullness. But you know the sad thing? We're our own worst enemies. Because we won't let God do what God does best. We actually tell him we think we can do it better. That's the irony of it all. That we don't live in fullness. Because if God is fullness, and then we're not walking in fullness, then who's got the problem? It's not God. It's something in us that's not allowing that fullness to be manifest and understood and worked out and embraced and loved. So today I want to just keep moving with this theme and I don't have it all together. My thoughts are just all over the place at the moment. But it's just so exciting to know that people are going, God, I need more. I need more of you. 
I need you to come and do a deep work in my life. And, and God will never fail that. But it's not an event, it's a process. That's what we need to understand. There's no quick fix for Elisa. It's going to be a journey of restoration. But you know, God will deal with her with the thing that he needs to deal with now and he'll give a victory in that and she'll rise up another step and God will build and he'll build and he'll build on that foundation and everything that the enemy meant to destroy her, God will restore to her. That's the amazing thing about our God. That's why we do what we do, isn't it? So that's the question I want you to ask. Do I really have a life of faith filled to fullness? And if the answer is no, then the obligation comes to you and to me to decide what we do next. God won't force us. He never will. The Holy Spirit's always gentle. He always waits for an invitation. Last week we looked at this idea of the ultimate, um, I guess, encounter with God and relationship with God in the Old Testament was this really... um, awkward and cumbersome process of trying to get relationship with God. And, you know, in the Old Testament, the, the high priest could only go into the presence of God on one day of the year. And, and everyone else lived sort of relationally to God at a distance. They had to come and they had to offer a sacrifice and, and find a spotless lamb and shed the blood and, to be able to, to at least get into the outer court. And then they had to wash themselves in the laver and cleanse themselves. And for the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies, he had to be anointed with oil. And and unless that process was done properly, if he walked through that veil into where the Ark of the Covenant was, not prepared in the right way, he'd just frizzle. Because it was a holy God and an unholy man. And in that process, God would have just said, you're gone, obliterated them. But the beauty of the New Testament was is that the, the veil has gone and God doesn't dwell in a human house anymore, a house made by human hands. He dwells in the heart of men. But there's a process to encounter that. God wants us to walk in the fullness of that, but the fullness of that is that sin needs to be dealt with. That we need to understand that we have a holy God who abhors sin and he wants us to deal with anything in our life that would, would in any way offend God. And that's what repentance is, isn't it? We came to that dramatic realisation that that God's wrath was on us and we were destined for a life separated from him. But because of our understanding of what Jesus did, that gracious, amazing act of sacrifice, that our sins can be washed clean, that we can be forgiven through what God did for us. And so we signify that by being baptised by the Holy Spirit into the person and the work of Christ, who's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's the second Adam, the second person of the Trinity. And because of his humanity and his divinity together, he paved the way for us to experience God. It's through Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And in the Old Testament, that was to get into the Holy of Holies. It's where God wanted us to be, living with him. And he wants that for us in a New Testament covenant that's even greater than the Old Testament covenant because God's not at a distance, he's in here. And I think sometimes we still have a a view of God that's halfway between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's a bit like if Jesus was here today, 
if he was with us in bodily form, if he could follow me around, if he could be in the seat next to me, I could ask him, Lord, where should I be going? What should I be saying? And if I said something wrong, he'd say, no, 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 sorry, Cheryl, you said the wrong thing there. should have said this. We have this, this concept that, that, that if Jesus was just here with us, we'd be okay. If I could see him, if I could feel him, if I could touch him, if I could bring him out of the closet when I need him, my life would be a lot better. He is with you in an even greater way. He's within you by his spirit. And we need to embrace that concept. And, and so we have that first baptism where we're immersed into Christ. And because I'm in Christ, everything he is, I am. I'm a co-heir. Where, where is my citizenship now? It was here in earth. It's now in heaven. And I'm seated in the heavenly realms. Everything that Christ is, I am. And Christ said, it's better that I go back to the Father because I can ask the Father and he will send you one just like me. No different. And we look at Jesus and we say he was a wonderful man and I would just love him and hug on him and I'd let him say anything to me and I'd let him have, if he said jump, I'd say how high. And then we get to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and we go, no, that's weird and wonderful. I don't want that. That can't be God or what God's doing doesn't compute with my way of thinking. And so we set up barriers to intimacy with God because our, our theology is not right. So we have a baptism into Christ, which positions us where Christ is. And then we're baptized into water like we did with Moana last week. That symbolizes forgiveness, washing cleansed, all our, all our past is gone, death, resurrection to new life. The same life, same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now in you as we invite the Holy Spirit to come. He comes by invitation. And he comes because there's an emptiness created in us because the old man is gone. The sin is gone. All that was clogging my life up is now gone. There's an empty vessel. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and fill that vessel up with his presence and his power. And then that's the launching pad of the Christian life. It's not the end point. It's actually the starting point of this process called salvation and being born again and walking in the Spirit. And we need to understand um, that we need that completeness, that we need to keep that, that recognition that sin is offensive to God and in our lives there needs to be a short account with God. We're not perfect. We're still going to make mistakes, but we're washed by the blood of the Lamb. God couldn't love us any more than he does now. It doesn't matter what I do. He's not going to love me anymore. I'm set in the righteousness of Christ. When God looks at Shell, he sees Jesus. When he looks at Daryl, he sees Jesus. Because we're in Christ. We're in him. No one can snatch that out of our hands. No one can take that away from us. That's done. Legally, it's done. It's done. We're his forever and a day. But that doesn't mean we walk in the fullness of what God wants because the second person of the third person of the Trinity is supposed to have an invitation into my life to be my ruler, my master, my Lord. And when he says, Mark, do this, my response should be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
Mark, I want you to go over there and do that. Yes, Lord. And that's the principle on which the Holy Spirit will come when we are obedient, when we are dependent on God, not, not dependent on ourselves. If you think back to the upper room and the disciples were waiting, why were they waiting? Because Jesus had said, obey my command. Don't go until you receive the Holy Spirit. Obedience. It was the prerequisite for entering into right relationship with God and staying, not just getting into that relationship, but staying in that relationship. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, into me, full, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until a more opportune time. And then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. The fullness of God is connected to obedience and being led by God. Because if you're not going to follow God, if you're going to rule your own life, why do you need God? Why do you need his power? If there's no intention, if there's no, if there's no recognition in your mind that if you do things in your own strength, you're going to end up in a mess, if, if you want to take that on for yourself, you don't need the Holy Spirit. But if your positional view of who you are is that you need the empowering of God to actually live this life that you're called to, then you throw yourself on the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I need that. I can't do it without that. It's not an optional extra to Christianity. It's not like buying a car and you say, well, will I have the metallic paint or not, or the leather seats? The Holy Spirit is not, not someone to be messed with. He's God. And he comes on his terms and his conditions into a receptive vessel, into someone who's saying, Lord, I need you. I know I need you. Come and fill my heart afresh today. Fill my life. Walk with me and I'll follow where you lead me. I won't walk my own journey and say, Lord, I need you now. And that's what we do, isn't it? We lead our own life and then when we get into crisis or desperation or suddenly or we're convicted or something, we go back for a moment and we let God lead. But then we pull him off the seat and we say, no, I'm doing all right now. I'll take it back. I'll lead. I can do it. I can do it. And then we get into a mess and we, and we just go in this cycle. And so we've got to come back to a recognition that we need to be led by the Spirit. And when we're led by the Spirit, God can entrust us with his power. His power will have the right purpose. Understand what I'm saying? If we're not going to follow what God wants us to do, then why would God entrust us with his power? Like it's the fork in the road. I need God's power to live a holy life and to conquer my flesh. I need the Holy Spirit's presence in my life to live that spirit life because he makes my spirit alive. He teaches me all truth. He tells me when I'm walking in sin. He brings me conviction and revelation and he, and he walks with me like a gentleman and says, Mark, walk where I'm leading you. And when I walk where he's leading me, then he'll lead me to the places that his power needs to be manifest. But if I'm just doing my own thing with my own agenda, well, why is God going to give me power? It doesn't make sense. The, the power of God came to the disciples because they walked in obedience to what God wanted them to do. And they didn't plan their lives out. They didn't sit in the upper room and say, hey, Philip, what do you think you're going to do for the next 8, 10, 20, 30, 40 years? He said, I don't know. 
wherever the Lord leads me, I'll follow. And I think that's a concept that, that we lose because in the joy of our salvation, when we first recognize our sin and we come into that wonderful love relationship, that infatuation that Jesus would die for me, that he would give up his life for me, there's, there's an awe about that time. And in that awe, we are in a position where we're like, Lord, come, I want you. The invitation's open. Our lives are just laid out before God. And that's what, how it's supposed to start. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to reign in our lives, we get into a pattern of behavior where we, we, he says we obey. He leads, we go. And we go from strength to strength. But the moment that we get into a wrestle with who's leading here, we actually get into separation from God because he won't control us like robots. He'll give us grace, but he's longing for us to come and give him the leadership of our lives. So let's look at those three really quickly. Full of the Holy Spirit. It's the overflow of the divine in me. It's the presence of God in me overflowing. So the Lord's master plan, his design for every one of us, is to live with an overwhelming measure of God's fullness in our lives. Just as in the Old Testament, the ultimate was to be the high priest, to go into the Holy of Holies and experience God. That's the ultimate for us, to walk in that every moment of every day, to know that God is with us, that we've surrendered our lives to him, that he's Lord and Master over us. And to have the Holy Spirit within us is the ultimate gift God could extend to any human being. It's beyond my comprehension. It blows my mind away. You think about it. I'm standing here today trying to teach you about God. That's warped because I know so little about God, but what I know about God I can hopefully help you understand. But really this is not about learning from men. It's about learning from God. It's about giving him that place in our life where he's our voice of reason. He's our voice of direction. He's our all in all. And we give that rightful place to him. And so we develop a pattern of behavior where we walk in the Spirit. And when we walk in the Spirit, the flow of the Spirit happens and the anointing of God flows. And while we stay in obedience, that flow will continue to happen. When we separate ourselves from God and disobey or say, no, God, I know better, I can do it my way, or God says, do this, and you go, no. Then what are we really saying to God? You're not my Lord. I'll take back the reins, thanks very much. I can do it in my own strength. And we're our own worst enemies. <laughs> we really are. And so God wants us to have that fullness. He's made a way for us to have the fullness. He did it all. We didn't have to do anything. We couldn't do anything to get that fullness. That's, that's the beauty of this. It's just given to us. It's just presented to us like a prize. But we've got to take that and use it wisely in the way that God asked us to. So the Holy Spirit can only fill us when sin has been confessed, repentance has done its work, and then an invitation is extended by faith. The Holy Spirit is invisible. He's uncontrollable. He's unpredictable. He's like the wind. You don't know where he's coming from. You don't know where he's going to. You don't know the mind of God. You don't know what he's got planned for your life. You don't know what's next. That's why we need to throw ourselves on him and give him that rightful place in our lives. So important, but that's just the start. And so there's this desperation that we need to have about this topic. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is a not a ho hum topic. 
It's not. I can't teach you any more important topic than this. Because if we're not in submission to the Holy Spirit, then you're leading your own life. Nothing's going to change. You're destined for disaster, just like I am. If I say, God, I'm not willing to obey, then I get what I ask for. It's going to be a shipwreck. It really is. So we've got to have that understanding that that we need the Holy Spirit enthroned in our life and we need to surrender and we need to submit. But it's not just a one-time encounter. Sure, we could clear the chairs out this morning, bring you all up here, pray some amazing prayers over you. But if you're not willing to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit, it's wasted breath. Because the conviction has to be in your heart and in my heart. I can't pray something magical over you that's suddenly going to bring you, you know, that decision making. That's got to be something that you wrestle with in your heart. It should have happened back here at Salvation when we had that initial wonder and awe of God. But sadly, we've just left it go by the wayside and we've got comfortable with it. It is less than God's best. Remember the other day I was telling you I watched that Braveheart movie and he, you know, William Wallace said, you've, you've, you know, you've, you're satisfied with the scraps from the table and then you've given up your God-given right to something better. We've got a God-given right to the fullness of God and the only thing that can stop that is me. It's the only thing that can stop it. Anything that diminishes our infatuation, our zeal, our enthusiasm, we need to confront it. We need to ask, why, God? Why, why am I so lazy? Or why am I so apathetic? Or, or, or why can't I break through? Or why do I have this attitude all the time? Why, God? Show it to me. Reveal it to me. Let me have victory in it. Your victory so that we can walk in the freedom and liberty God wants. So anything that I've set up in my life that doesn't allow God to be my ruler and master, I've set up an idol. And God wants to tear it down. He wants us to tear it down. Just like he said to Gideon, Gideon, I know you're the weakest in your tribe, but I want you to go and I want you to tear down all that has been set up in the land against me. Same for us. We've got to look at our lives and tear down any idols that we've put there. I want you to think about this. Um, You know, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, he's coming to do surgery. He's coming to renovate our lives. And I think we can get into this mindset where we go, okay, Lord, you can come into the hallway. You can have the lounge room. You can have the kitchen. You can have a couple of bedrooms. There's a few rooms down there you can't have. I'm not letting you in there. I'm not letting you into that pain. I'm not letting you into that. that you can't touch my finances. Can't tell me about doing anything with that. Can't tell me anything about my career. My career's set. And so we have this sort of, you know, half baked renovation of our life. When the Holy Spirit's supposed to have freedom, He wants to come in with a sledgehammer and go, see that wall you've built up there? That's gone. It's a renovation of our lives. But he won't swing that hammer till we give him permission. That's the beauty of God. He waits. He waits. Remember he went to the the pool of Siloam and there was this man that had been crippled for 38 years. Do you think Jesus didn't know he was a cripple? He knew he could see. He didn't say, get up your mat and go home. He didn't say, throw your crutches away. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew. He knew what needed to be done, but he wanted to hear from that man's mouth that I actually want to get out of this mess. 
I actually want to be free. And, and so God will say, look, if you want to wallow in a pig pen, live in the misery, if you're happy there, like pigs are happy in mud, stay there. But we've got, to, we've got to say, no, God, I'm not content with that life. I don't want to live that way. I want to be free. I want to live in the fullness. And we go, Lord, well, here's my struggle. Here's my hard heart. Here's my brokenness. I surrender. I give it to you. And God will work in us. You've missed your God-given right to something better because we haven't yielded. You know, it's, it's one of the most simple messages that you could give. Just yield to God. But I know in saying that, it's a lifetime of letting the Lord be the master of your life. Let him have an all-access pass to your life. And we've been praying and believing that God is knocking on your life right now. And only you can decide what you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do. You know, Alyssa could stay where she was. She could be miserable. She could just blame everybody else. She could be a victim. But she said, I know God's got better for me. And I'll fight for that. And it's going to be a fight. And you know the enemy's going to come and try and remind her of the past and tear her down. But no, if she lets the Lord... Rule over her life. See the blessing that's already coming? We're our own worst enemies, aren't we? We wonder why we don't have intimacy with God, but we're too lazy to get up in the morning and have a quiet time. Like, go figure. And then we come and say, Mark, could you pray for me that I'll have this hunger for God? I can't. I can't. I don't have that power. That's got to be the cry of your heart. It's actually sin against God. We say, oh, I feel distance from, from people and you know, I don't, don't know where I'll fit in because there's a root cause in your life that's causing you rejection. You've put up a wall. Only you can put that on the table and say, Lord, do surgery on that, please. I can see it, but I can't make you do it. Or so other people might see it. We see, the, we see the problems in everyone else's lives better than we do the ones in ours. And that's really what we've got to do. We've got to say, Lord, shine your truth on me. Because if the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, then he knows the absolute for me. And he'll lead me into all truth. Get that? He'll lead me. means I've got to be willing to follow. And that's the, there's no easy answer to that. I can't always say that you're going to want to. Because doing the right thing doesn't always feel right. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't feel right. It's just simple obedience. You know, I'm sure Peter didn't want to stand up in front of that crowd and testify to the goodness of God. He remember what he was like beforehand. He was terrified, denied Christ three times. But the Holy Spirit said, Peter, stand up and speak. And in obedience, he spoke and the power came. See the equation? The fullness, the leading the obedience, and then the power of God will come. You know what we try and do? We try and jump to the signs and wonders. Lord, I want the experience. I want to see the power. But we default on being obedient. And God says, I can't trust you with power if you're not obedient because you'll do the wrong thing with it. And I can't trust you with my power because if I trust you with my power and you don't go where I want you to go, then the power I'm giving you is for that situation or for that person to speak to. And so we've got to be the conduit, but the conduit has to flow to where God wants it to exit, which means being obedient.
I really wish I had a magic wand. Wouldn't it be great? Lord, just make me this completely obedient servant of God. But it's a wrestle. It's a wrestle. And in that decision-making, reckoning, a lot of us will go, it's too hard. Lord, I'm not willing. Like the rich young ruler, well, the Lord said, what? I want to be the master of your life. You've got another master, it's money. Would you go and sell everything you have? It's too hard. So what happened to him? Lived a life full of God? No, he walked away. So we've got to take responsibility for a day-by-day, moment-by-moment relationship with God. And it should be something like this. Your eyes waken in the morning. You look at your lovely wife, the vision of your wife next to you. No, the first thing you do when your eyes open in the morning is, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for life. Thank you that I've got opportunity today to walk with you. It starts there and you just keep building. Lord, what do you want me to do now? We don't lose God in our our, um, day-to-day, you know, things that we have to do. We don't leave leave God behind because we've got to go to work. We don't leave God behind because we've got to make lunches. We don't leave him behind because we've got to do stuff. We make him part of that. We let him lead us into that. That's the beauty of it. But it's a habitual practice of learning to walk in the spirit of God. And sometimes it's just hard. But I know that if you come in all honesty and say, Lord, I'm struggling. This is just hard for me. Would you change my heart? Would you make me willing? He'll do it. He'll come and he'll he'll do it. But he'll give you the first step to take. You'll say, okay, you want me to lead? I'll lead. Here's your first choice. Follow. Well done. You followed. I'll give you another thing to do. Great. I can trust you with little things. I'll give you something more to do. And that's the principle. But the moment we say, stop, Lord, the Holy Spirit just says, okay, you want to drive, you drive. You're going to hit the wall. You're going too fast. It's all right, Lord, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Smash. Oh, Lord, I should have let you drive. <laughs> you know, Isn't that the cycle we get into? God wants to break that. He really does. It's not a healthy cycle. He wants us to walk in obedience, just like Jesus did. So when the devil comes and throws everything at us, we just know what to say, we know how to respond, and we walk out of that wilderness situation in the power of God. And then we become an instrument that God can use to drag other people out of that mess. But if we can't conquer it in our own life, then what sort of a model are we to everybody else? Not a very good one. I wish there was an easier way of teaching this, because there just isn't. There's no sugar-coated version of this. It's just a reckoning with God in our heart of hearts, in our inner being. Have you given God the right to rule over your life? Has he had the freedom to come by his spirit and do a deep work in your inner being? Teach you what love is when you never really had love. Teach you that he won't ever reject you. Teach you that his plans are perfect. That's what he wants to immerse us into. We've got to be willing to follow. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Lord, so what can we say? What can we do? But offer this heart, O God, completely to you. Lord, there's a real wrestle going on in many of our lives at the moment between the flesh and what your Holy Spirit wants to do in our spirit to make us compliant, to make us obedient, to make us a vessel in which you have the ultimate permission to lead and to guide. Lord, I want to just say this morning, Lord, I'm sorry, Father, for any time that I've taken back your right to rule over my life. Because I'm really saying that I'm God and that I know better. And who am I to look into your face and say, I have a right to anything? I don't. Because I know I surrendered my rights when I gave my life to you at the cross. You purchased my life with a price. And what I owe you in return is my complete and utter obedience, the best that I can. And Lord, I know I'll get off track at times, but I know you'll draw me back. Father, that's the cry of my heart, and I pray that it will be the cry of each person's heart here. Lord, no more half-hearted Christianity. No more lukewarm pursuit of God. but just a burning desire in our life to go after what you have for us, the very best that you've laid on the table, Lord. We don't want to be satisfied with anything less. And Lord, I want to pray that you would continue to stir up a discontent within us at our own apathy, at our own willingness to settle for anything less than your best. Lord, would you stir that up in us? that we get frustrated with our, ourselves to the point where we come to you, that we get so fed up with, with being hurt and broken and wounded and beaten that we would come to you and that we just afresh throw ourselves at your lordship, at your mastery. And Lord, I know that you'll walk us out into freedom. You'll walk us out into fullness if we simply obey. Remember that old little song we used to sing in Sunday school, Trust and Obey. Well, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. I don't know that God promised us happiness, but he promised us joy. And he promised us abundant life. And being obedient isn't easy. But the blessing to be someone who's obedient to the voice of God, to be someone who's surrendered, submitted. Lord, that's your desire for us today. Lord, I pray that this morning that we would respond in a way that's appropriate to what you're calling us to do. That, Lord, if our hearts are hard, then we'll deal with that hardness and bring it to you and ask you to make it pliable 
like clay that can be shaped and moulded. Lord, if there's woundedness in our life, if we've just closed up and we've, we've just shut our lives down to other people and, and the things of God aren't fresh anymore, then, Lord, I just pray we'd come and we'd say, Lord, here I am. You know who I am. You know where I'm at. Help me to change. I don't know what the Lord's saying to you today. But will you open the door and let him do what God can only do? That's my prayer. Lord, help us to respond. Help us to make a stand. Help us to be led by you into what you have for us. You're going to lead us by ways we've never been before. We're going to have blind eyes, Lord. We don't always know, but that's faith. Maybe we've been in this place before and we've been around in the cycle. Got to believe that God's going to do it different this time. He wants the very best for us. He's yearning for us to come. Let's surrender afresh today and walk out of this place with an intention to be obedient tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and to set a pattern in our life that takes us into the deep things of God. You can't go into the deep things of God without obedience. You can't short-circuit that. So, Lord Jesus, we come today. We come to the one who gave it all for us. And we say, Lord, we want to give it all for you. Come, Lord Jesus. Why don't we just stand this morning? Ross, could you sing that song that you wrote for us? Is that okay? It's a simple song.